It's it's a it's amazing. What are we seven in now along those this lines? Be, well, six interviews, seven six episodes. Six interviews, seven episodes. Yeah, yeah. I was excited for you to meet this next guy when he came in. I had no idea. Oh, like yeah. when you said, I'm like, okay, let's bring in Charles. Charles Antis, who founded Antis Roofing about 20 years ago or so. He and I have a lot in common, and we'll save that for the interview. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of the things that, that our audience will understand early on. Charles is just one of these high-energy guys who has just made a dramatic impact on Southern California, Orange County, the world, really, with his energy and what he does for a living. You met him that day. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any takeaways that really jumped out at you from the time we had with uh, Charles? Charles, he's a really just, he's a fun guy. Yeah. He's He's got a really good attitude and a... Uh, a good a good spirit about him and i think i mean he just he really loves what he does he does he He's, really loves what he does passion is his middle name yeah. I've, I've gotten around him been around him a lot and every time i see him he's high energy he, he's that guy that walks into the room and the room lights up mm. and everybody feels the you know charles is in the room before you recognize it it's him just by the energy you feel mm. when he walks in yeah and I, I felt that when he was here in studio with us as well yeah so we're excited for you to hear our interview with Charles Antis, founder of Antis Roofing. Hi, I'm Charles Antis, and you're watching From the Heart with Ed Hart. So I'm very excited to have with me today my good friend Charles Antis, uh, runs Antis Roofing here in Orange County. Charles, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and blank slate right now, whatever you'd like to share. It is a, bl- it is a blank slate, <laughs> you're you right. Go, yeah. I'm I'm the founder of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. Um, it, we're celebrating our 30th year of keeping families safe and dry and that's really exciting but I feel like more than a roofer I mean nothing I love my profession we're the people across the country that keep families and everything that we love safe and dry Uh, although in my age today at 57 I feel like there's a a higher calling for me if you will that's maybe not the right words to use, but there, I feel like there's needs to be more today. So today I, I like to think that I am a, a people awakener. I'm someone that sees a company or a person stuck in an old way of thinking in a super adaptive world. And I have the opportunity to be a beacon to them to say, Hey, we can try anything and we can fail. In fact, if we can do it and fail fast, we can learn and we can grow. And most of all, we can be fulfilled and that's when we have the impact. So to be a people awakener, there has to have been a moment when you awoke. Can you go back to a time when you kind of went from that shift of I'm a roofer to I'm a people awakener? Well, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of stages of that. I think mostly uh, you don't know that's occurring when certain things happen in your life. And when, when there's some levels of awareness that you can't catch up to until you look at the story in hindsight, sometimes years later. Um, I can tell you an instance. You and I have one thing in common. We were we were both for, we're both former Mormons. Right. I sometimes call that foreman. foreman. We're both foremans. Yeah. Yeah. My foreman friend. Yeah. Exactly. And and um, there were uh, that was in uh, I have with all due respect to my parents' religion. I'm no longer Mormon. And two of my kids, by the way, still as well. Very good. And and I think that's uh, there's something powerful um, when someone has to reinvent themselves and leave their parents' religion. I didn't know that. I felt like I was losing my tribe. But right. in the sense, I found out more who I was. And I'm not recommending that. But I'm just talking about my journey. So, But looking back on one of those awakening moments was 
when I was Mormon, I, I went on a Mormon mission mm-hmm. because if you're a young 19 year old Mormon male, you better go on a mission or yeah. you're not going to have some of the choices that you think you're going to have later <laughs> on, especially when you start looking at those attractive Mormon daughters that you want to They say date. the harder you work on your mission, the hotter your wife becomes, right? So I've never yeah. heard that, but, All right, well, I did. but there's, <laughs> it makes some sense. So you and I both worked pretty hard. I, I worked hard on my mission and yeah. But it, but it wasn't something I really wanted to do because I didn't understand it then, but I didn't really want to go and, and tell people that they're, they're, they'd selected the wrong God or whatever. It just right. didn't, I didn't know I didn't understand that yet, but I didn't want to go for those reasons. I was 19. Dad, these are the best years of my life. But I go to <laughs> Thailand and it's like, okay, the cool thing is, is when I go to Thailand, that's where I was called to go, um, which I believed was, you know, an, an action from God. Right. I was excited because... I couldn't knock on doors there. It was illegal. And it was like, yeah. Don't, don't have to knock doors, knock yeah. Knock on doors. And, and but it was like service. Okay, service to me in the Mormon faith was always like helping somebody move every weekend. And, <laughs> and I really didn't like helping people move, especially when they, they didn't box up their shit. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. With all due respect, right. I didn't enjoy yeah, that. I'm not there to box your stuff. I'm I respect to, yeah. the fact that so much service is done. But I go to Thailand and I all of a sudden service was teaching people English and I'm an expert here, and yeah. looking back, that was a real self-esteem booster for me, teaching these other people in foreign lands Engl- English. And then there was, you know, cleaning parks. And then one day, this is the the, the story I'm getting to. I'm sorry. I no, that's good. So this, is, this is your, but we your go, platform. We go, we go to this orphanage and the other missionaries in the house. And, and if you ever see the playbook of Mormon, you know <laughs> that it does capture the awesomeness and awkwardness of <laughs> six or eight people living together in a foreign land yeah. and, and the innocence of it. And there's a lot of awesome things. But one of the elders comes in and goes, hey, Elder Antis, we're going to an orphanage today. And I'm like, oh, and, and okay. And then he goes, well, and he, and he was just trying to warn me. He goes, it's, it's going to be really smelly. There's hot. There's no AC. Well, I figured that. Yeah. And, 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 they, and they put the handicapped people all together, whether they're physically or mentally handicapped. And it, it didn't sound really fun. So I went there with a really low expectation of a sweaty, hot, stinky day yeah. with people that I would be uncomfortable with. And so I walked inside this, and I was assigned to this room that was a little bit bigger than our set. This set looks bigger than it is. I understand that. So sure. maybe four times bigger than the set to right. the audience, twice as big as that. We walked into this room. <laughs> there There's all these, these maybe 20 kids on the floor, and I realized they were taking a nap. And as I walk in, my eyes lock on this little girl, hmm. and she has – somebody had painted, like, clown cheeks on her earlier in the day. And she woke up from a nap. She looked like she was, like, eight or nine and she just smiled at me, and wow. it kind of just disarmed me, the smile. Everything just, any preconceived notion you had coming in just went away. Started to. Okay. Started to. And this is, looking back now, was powerful. Yeah. And so I, I, I locked eyes. There was no going away. And then she had really long arms, and she put up these long arms like this. And I just was drawn like a magical spell to go pick her up. Nice. But the spell was broken when I started to lift her, and suddenly... She didn't weigh what she should have weighed, and I looked down, and she had a withered spine, and she hardly had any anything below her chest. I, I don't really know yeah. how she was built, but she couldn't walk. Her legs were tiny, and I was so awkward. I didn't know what to do, and I was suddenly like that moment when you get a neighbor's kid you don't want to hold, and I <laughs> I, 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 I turned into yeah. like, okay, I, I've, I've got to end the this. The awkward aunt or uncle who doesn't want to hold the baby. Yes. Yeah. So I, I bounced like three times, and as I went to release her, I felt... Her fingers and my back. She just grabbed. And it was a hold. like, yeah. And so I thought, oh, okay, but it didn't hit me yet. It hits me now, but it didn't hit me yet. And then I, I went to bounce her, again. And as I went to bounce her again, like two minutes later, 
she, her arms went around me all the way. She held me tight, and she just had this big smile. She just lit up. Wow. And it was just so disarming. And, and so I held her. And I held her, and we didn't really speak because I couldn't speak Thai very well. I'd right. only been in the country uh, a few months, and, and she didn't really speak English. But we talked, and we pointed, yeah. and we looked <laughs> at pictures. And, 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 and something happened, and the only way I've ever been able to maybe create a story that describes it is it reminded me of, like, my grandma's wooden stove when I was a little kid in this simple country house. And she had this wooden label. She'd stir cooking on this wooden stove. And it was like grandma was stirring something up inside me that I had never felt before because Next thing I know, it was time to go, and it was four hours later, and it put her down, and it, and it changed my life. I didn't know why. I, I, I went back to see this girl. I, yeah. I thought I might adopt her, and it, it wasn't sure. why that happened, but it was an awakening moment looking back now because at that moment, I knew suddenly what service felt like. I knew why one of the reasons I was here was to, was to reach this little girl, and she more, maybe more so, was there to reach me to yeah. find something in me that was real, a real connection. And I had a real connection with that girl. Wow. And that was powerful. Looking back, in a, in a world where I didn't live up to, I couldn't feel the way I was supposed to think and feel in that religion, the way it was, the way I felt. You know, I mean, it's just the way my brain is. I couldn't use that language. Right. Some of the language didn't fit me, but this fit me. And sure. looking back now, in having a service-focused business, no doubt that upbringing and the service, especially when it started to get genuine, built was the roots to where um, that shows up so much in our business today. Yeah, that, and you trigger a perfect question that's been on my mind as you've been telling this story. And thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it right out of the gate. You're just diving right in. That's the Charles that's, Antis I know. That's the Ed Hart. Well, that's, that's why we connect. Um, so how does a 19-year-old, and I was that 19-year-old Mormon missionary in Ecuador, similar experiences, different stories, but similar types of, of, sure. of emotions and experiences. I wasn't raised in it. I, I converted at 18. So my upbringing was slightly different and the expectations were slightly different. Sure. But I know how it felt for me at age 19, having similar types of ex experiences and how I looked at those then versus how I look at that same experience now, what, four decades later. And you, you started to touch on that already, but from the paradigm of the 19-year-old Mormon missionary in Thailand to the 57-year-old business owner who is deep involved. I know, we're, we're getting up there, dude. You're, you got me by a couple years, by the way. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm your junior, and I'll, I always will be. Mm -hmm. Do you see that experience through a different lens now that maybe you— I mean, what would you tell that 19-year-old kid, I guess, is the question I'm leading up to, uh -huh. about what that experience is going to do for his life? Oh, wow. <clears throat> well, there, there was a lot of language that I didn't know— then that really disagreed with my core. And, and, and I guess it would all tie into anything to do with the punishing God theory. Yeah. And it took me years to uncover that. But, but once I let go of, of a deity that would punish me for any reason after I died, I found that I was way less hard on myself. <laughs> yeah, and then, then the magic happened because then I suddenly was aware of everyone, everything around me, and I, I didn't want to ever damage any. I only wanted to lift them because I, I suddenly didn't take it out on myself. And so that's a little bit of a theory that I'm recently throwing around. Yeah. Maybe there's value. And, and, and if you look at the way your children interpret your religion, they are not holding it the way we held it. In right. fact, if we could just close our eyes and go back to the God and all, everyone listening to this, go back to the God of their childhood, the way it was interpreted, the way, isn't it amazing how much more cool God's got, right? <laughs> it's amazing and how all, he's changed. All I'm it? saying yeah. is my God so uh, is really, really cool. And he allows me, and that's, that's, there's no he there. I don't, I don't, 
go to that anymore. Right. My language is all inclusive. So I use the I use the word universe because it doesn't offend anybody. I live in California and get away with that. Yeah, Using absolutely. the word universe, it just sounds weird to anybody, to some people. But to other people, we get it because I would never use a language that would leave anybody out. And so it's, it's right. like I'm still LDS or any other religion, except God doesn't punish. Right. And everybody's a freaking member. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone's right? a member. And yeah, so, I like so I, and there's no exclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would go back to that, that kid, that 19-year-old kid, and I would say, dude, it's all about the people. Man, yeah. every person lift everyone you touch every day, no matter what. Awaken them to see something. You know, I would so I I would I would tell him to awaken others so he would be awakened. But if you can awaken someone else to see themselves higher than they ever been able to see themselves before, then you've changed everything. And then they can help somebody because we compare ourselves to each other just the way we are. You could be raised Mormon or Catholic or Jewish or I don't know. I'm just right, shooting right. from the hip, but. You, we, we sometimes compare ourselves to each other, our brothers and sisters, literally, or those in our class. And as long as I compare myself to you, Ed, I'm going to fail. Absolutely. But I've learned to just compare myself to myself, and I'm a way effing more awesome <laughs> version of myself than I've ever been. When you let go and, of that guilt. And that's that's what I want to tell him. Sorry. That's yeah. yeah. Let go of that. There is no punishment. There's yeah. just experiencing people and everything and making it real and making it purposeful and enjoying it and leaving everything cleaner than you found it. Yeah. And I could go on and give a lot other No, this is good. And you've, time, I've got 19 different questions yeah. coming up, but one I really want to do and in honoring your legacy of where you came from, I've met your parents. I had the opportunity. It's hard for me to not talk about your parents and get emotional because I know how much you love them and I met them. Um, and um, they're just amazing people, but they raised you in Mormonism. They're sure. still very active in the church. They are. Um, talk about them a little bit. Talk about lessons you've learned from your mom and your dad that still apply in your life today, even though maybe your religious philosophies aren't the same anymore. There's lessons I know that they've taught you that still stick. Well, I was raised, yeah. They, I was raised in um, what you would call a strict household today. Yeah. And, you know, my parents, um, they, they grew a lot from the way they were raised, and they, they created a really rigid environment, which, which was really common. It's what they time. knew. Yeah. And uh, they were really awesome, though, because they taught me to always do the right thing, no matter what. I mean, if we played games all the time. Mm -hmm. My mom, I'm, I'm good at strategy because we played Monopoly and Risk and, and uh, Battleship and every other game, and we yeah. did anything to win, and, but cheating would be absolutely, I don't even know what they'd do. I mean, the punishment just didn't happen. We had yeah. to be really clever if we were going to cheat. And so the other thing was, let's suppose we borrowed a game. And I'm, I'm not really making a point, but I like stories. Yeah. If we ever borrowed something from someone else, I've never seen the noble way and the honor that <laughs> that thing is is taken, how, how very few moments it's held, and then how crisply it's returned. Perfect. Probably with the plate of cookies. I can, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. But let me, let me tell you an exact example. If you broke the end of the cardboard box that held the game, you know, that tape that holds yeah. that little tape, yep. that was a really big deal. And if you <laughs> broke the cardboard box wow. of someone else's game or jigsaw puzzle, you couldn't just tape it back. You would need to go replace that puzzle. <laughs> and there's something powerful in the way that resides in me today. I really understand that it's my job to keep my side of the street clean, no matter what. In fact, I know it's my job to err on the side of generosity with all of my stakeholders, even yeah. though it doesn't seem possible at times that how could there be enough? 
And it's part of that abundant thinking of maybe that non-punishing God that I have today. Um, yeah. I, I believe that there is enough. Yeah. So you talk about that, um, your stakeholders. Who, who do you find as your stakeholders? Well, I, 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 could, I say, I would say, I can think of seven groups of stakeholders right now. But, well, it depends on what we're talking about. If I'm mm-hmm. talking about change in the world, which is really where I like to kind spend of what most you wake of my up time. Doing. Yeah, yeah. If, we, if I do a good job of lifting and, and, and helping my people find who they are and how to be in the world and how to occur in the world and how to be fulfilled in the world, then what the, the, the product is we install the best roofs. And we provide the best customer care and our product looks well and we sound well and our stories are well. So, so it's more important to me to develop people. What was your question? I forgot. I got just who your stakeholders are. So, So, yeah, my, my stakeholders, um, in, so really, um, I, you know, first of all, it's my employees. I right. just, I How can't see past have? my employees. I have about a hundred employees, okay. which is a good size for us. We're, we're in, uh, four counties, um, and we face the HOA market, but we do more HOA roofing than anybody in the LA, San Bernardino, Orange County area. We also have an office in San Diego okay. and, uh, but uh, so there's my employees, and that's a really important group of stakeholders. But you go beyond them, you have uh, our clients, and that is that certain market. But then we have other clients. We have those nonprofits that we keep dry, safe and dry. We have all the, we've inst- we've donated all of the habitat roofs in Orange County for the last ten years, along with Eagle Tile, who donated the tile. We that we just hit the million dollar mark of that. So there are stakeholders. You know, we donate on the Ronald McDonald House roofs, where I also serve on the board, and there are stakeholders. In fact. You know, everybody that Ronald McDonald House appeals to, and I can go into all sorts of, I met with Chalk yesterday, there are stakeholders and vice versa. We share the same story. So I could get into like 13 or 14 if I drill down right. those holes, but let me pull back. Okay. You know, I have all those those people that sell to us, the people that sell insurance to us. There are stakeholders. We, we have the, the communities of which we reside, the communities where my employees reside, there's there's specific nonprofits with causes that are near and dear to our heart. There are stakeholders, but I but I don't want to get any more graphics. I don't think I'm going to get anything valuable out of that. But I, I really think right. it's important to know who your stakeholders are, and it's a really good it's important thing for you as a person, you as a company, to spend some time and to drill down and write down stakeholders. If you have if you're not used to do that, your message will change because you don't want to leave anybody out. And one big advantage we have from being from a religion where we had to reinvent ourselves is we had to make it count. Right. So anyway, so a word that keeps coming up in my where mind. Where that came from? I'm no, sorry. that's all right. And I and I have a question for you that wasn't on my quote unquote agenda either. We've had a lot of conversations. I'm very familiar with your upbringing. We've talked about that a little bit. I'm very familiar with your company and why you do what you do. And we'll get into that in a minute. Um, I've met your family. Um, amazing family, uh, Charlie, Gracie, your wife, and and so forth. There's a word that keeps coming up for me that I would use to describe you. And I want to just get your reaction to this word, protector. You seem to want to protect your legacy, your upbringing. You protect families with what you do, your business. You obviously are very protective of your family. You're protective of the relationships that you have. Some, I don't know if that conjures up an image or I'm, I'm seeing it. It's hitting you a little bit. For some reason, this word protector comes up for me in describing you. And I've never used that word to describe you before. And I don't know why, because it's so obvious. Well, I'll start with something I left off of my mom and dad. My mom and dad taught me to do the right thing no matter what. And it just ingrained in me, whether I want to do it or not, as I've grown, I've found a way to do the right thing and love it. Hmm. 
Awesome. And, and I think that in that, you can't leave, you have to include everyone. I must include everyone, even those that I would otherwise maybe in my past time um, not like. I, I don't allow that to reside in me anymore. I try to understand everyone has a story and right. a reason for it. And I, I, I can choose not to get emotional about it, but I, I believe that, yeah, I believe it's my job to build a bridge to everyone no matter what. And I think the, what I offer the organizations that I serve um, the boards that I'm on is that language, that philosophy, that tinkering, and that experience in cross-pollinating different boards in the language of all-inclusive language um, in a neural way to make it real. I'm really big into marketing, so neural sure. marketing, I could dive down that hole, or all-inclusive language. I'm really big on that. I could dive down that hole, but sure. it's all about everyone, and it's I, I just feel that way. So yeah, I am a protector. I, the moment there, what's parts with my high eye and my disc scale personality, where I need to have the attention of everyone in the room. And once I understood <laughs> that, I really became aware of the person who was on a cell phone, and I felt I had a need to reach him because what if he didn't get the message? I had so what if I right. had this really important story that was oh like this almost like a precious baby, like living story that if you heard it the right way, and if I told it in an authentic way, that it could open your eyes to something that you never saw before. And that's, I believe I have to give that to everyone if it's something that I see. And I feel like a little bit of a modern day <laughs> philosopher hack, but it's okay today because it yeah. used to be the rigid rules. Like 10 years ago, Charles, what do you, okay, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And then like about five years ago, people say, what'd you say, Charles? Mm -hmm. And what, you want to hear my story? And the reason is the stuff, the old models aren't working in a super adaptive world. Yeah. You know, 60% of the jobs that we'll be serving in in 10, 15 years haven't even been invented yet. Right. And we think we're so focused on this is going to work. I think we need to focus on making failure fun making failure something, making you, it okay, making it okay. And, and making, you know, and, and taking the young mind and saying, thank God you're young, you're super adaptive and plugging it into the older, more experienced brain. Thank God you have $10 million worth of data in your head. Let's plug this <laughs> in. I'm, I theorize, I don't build the logistics on this very well, I do, but I theorize on that really yeah. well. That's the world we want to live in. Everyone has a value. And, and we often tribalize, polarize, push each other aside and fall into that bias right. where we only see almost religion-like or political-like what serves us. And it's my job to say, to humanize it all, whether I'm talking about immigration or whatever, and say, hey, just like, that's your daughter, your sister, or homelessness, you know, yeah. that's the veterans. That's not who you that's think it is. That's a person, it's not a group. It's a person. And by the way, that person has a name. Right. And this is his name. And, and by the way, this is his story. And, and if you hear it, it could change everything. Yeah. Tell us how you started Antis Roofing, because I know that's more than just uh, well, to put, I, yeah. put food on the table for the family. It was, it was, it was, I, I had a mortgage payment to make. The place I was working was not consistent in work, and I had just enough calls to, to, to get a few leak repairs. I really didn't have the ability to put on a roof yet. Experienced equipment crew. It was me. Yeah. So I, I put weather stripping on the door one day just so that the callers wouldn't hear my daughter crying. <laughs> 
And so that that's how tight the phone calls were, two or three a week. And I got a call from a lady, and this, well, I'm, I'm moving into another story. So the, I did I leak, love your story. I did so leak you can go repairs. anywhere you want. Yeah. I found out I could repair anything that leaks, and that was what I sold. But I couldn't get very much work. It just wasn't a lot calling. And, and there was this... This story, I tell this story more than any because it's like my origin story. It's how Antis found purpose even though we didn't know it. And that was, I get this call from this lady. She's got leaks in every room, and I'm excited, driving to her house the next day. And as I'm getting closer to her home, it's near LAX. I'm noticing the homes are getting smaller, more disheveled. And, you know, I'm not getting that feeling like I'm going to make yeah. you know mortgage <laughs> payment here. But as I turn on the street, the home would be, I look, and I just see, like, dead grass. And the home set back that's small, and I'm hoping it's not it as I walk up because it's got one of those like 140 and a half yeah. things on it. Maybe, Maybe it's the other one, it. yeah. I, I knock, I knock on the door, and then three things happen that just changed everything. The lady answers the door, a middle aged woman with this expression like, I've had a really bad week, month, year. Life. Life. And before I could say hello, I'm hit with this smell. It's like mildew like I've never smelled. It almost pulls me back. In fact, it takes you back to immediately, Thailand. yeah, it, it was it was bad. Yeah. And so as I start to pull away, because I'm thinking of how I'm going to exit the situation, there's no money here, I feel this tug at my finger, mm -hmm. and I look down, and the contrast to the look on mom's face mm -hmm. and my face, there's this little six-year-old girl with blonde hair and with the biggest smile like this, and she's got a visitor in her home. She doesn't smell what I smell. Mm -hmm. She's just, wow, I got a visitor. Mm -hmm. And in this home didn't have a lot of visitors. It was clear. She pulls me through this crowded living room and into this like undersized hallway and then just swoops right into this room and I follow her and it was a room half the size of this <laughs> and very small and she I know it was a room because she pointed to the wall and on the wall was a unicorn or a My Little Pony poster <laughs> but when as she was smiling and I was in shock still I looked down and I saw four mattresses with moldy bedding <laughs> and I realized that's where her and her siblings slept and so I, I sat there in this doing nothing. I didn't, I couldn't smile. I didn't encourage right. it. I felt threatened. Like, Oh my God, I can't, I won't survive. I got to get out of here. I've got a mortgage payment. There's no money here, but something happened. The mom walks in the room and that that same look, and there's this little cute girl smiling <laughs> at me and that's just creating, I can't take that in. I yeah. look at the mom and from somewhere I just say, I'm going to take care of your roof. And I was like, oh, I wanted to grab that back, you know. But, and then I, I walked up on the roof, and, and it was shot. I needed a new roof. And, yeah. you know, it was like, this is like my, my I, I call it today my doctor on an airplane moment because I think that <laughs> when the doctor's on an airplane and somebody has a heart attack, yeah, you, you know. You're not we, checking we, their insurance. We believe that the yeah. doctor's going to raise his hand, and I bet you usually he does. There might be a couple turds that don't, and I don't mean to call him a turd because because I, I think that you you have to show up. And But that doctor yeah. raises his hand, and you know what? He takes care of that patient, and I doubt I doubt they get a bill There's in the mail. There's not a bill coming. And I felt like, looking back now, this was our doctor on an airplane moment, which nice. in, it repeated itself. But that first day, it was like, what am I going to do? I called volunteers. I went to Home Depot. I didn't even really know, you know, I, I that family's ever lived listening, you know, that wasn't the best roof, but it kept them in the house. It kept them dry. We went out. And every time I saw one of those little siblings, there were six kids. Wow. And every time I saw um, one of the volunteers I got, which were from the Mormon church, of course. by the way, I've never really told that part because yeah. it's not relevant, but yeah. it is now. I had heard the story. I never heard that part. Yeah. yeah that um, the We um, we gave him that roof and, and it was always like high five. And I don't run into any of those people anymore. I haven't for 10 years or so, but I will again. And it'll be like this high five, you know? 
Um, like, hey, what's going on? And, and that's and that became who we were as a company. Um, I like to say things in an inclusive, positive way, but this comes out better if I say it like this. Mm-hmm. We found struck with a condition that we could never let anybody have a leaky roof just because they didn't have the money to pay. And that eventually turned into something more where, you know, we know why we exist to keep families safe and dry. And when, when your company has purpose, um, it allows you to get back the conversation to why we exist. It allows them to feel good about why they exist because they can plug in their skills now. And we really work hard to, to explore people's real personalities. So they're not just saying what they're supposed to say. And I'm not trying to say that people in religion do that. Of course. But to a certain extent, you conform to the language. I look at religions today, by the way, as languages. They're all really saying, do the right thing. Wherever you were They're raised, you're part language, of that but, particular But, you know, language. look at the Godhead. It's different in every religion. I right. mean, my gosh, these simple little things are just, words are different. Just like today in my nonprofit world, the word service to Habitat or to to um, Ronald McDonald House or to United Way and the different places I serve, it doesn't all mean the same thing. Yeah. You know, the, the language is different. So just just look at it like we're interpreting a language. And when you're inside the Mormon church or the Catholic church, you speak the language of those people, fine. Right. But the world today is really, really connected. And so when we're out here, why don't you adopt a more universal language? And that's the reason I use universe again, because it's go. all inclusive. I'm sorry, I don't know where no, that came well, from. No, case in point, you use the word saint in the Catholic Church versus saint in the Mormon Church, and it's a very different definition. Very different. Yeah. So, okay, you said it, so you teed it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it. You said the word service. You talked about how it might be different in all these different areas. Can you give examples of where maybe that word service might look different to some of those foundations or charities you just mentioned? Or? Well, I, I, I pulled that one up. Just it was the first I know, word that top came of your to my head, mind. Yeah. So it, it might not be one that flies, which fine. It's, it's a, all right. But let's, let's ask that a different way. It's okay way. to fail. You just said it um, a minute let ago. Me, let, so let's look at nonprofits. Yeah, well, let, so let me say this about right. nonprofits. If you, all nonprofits are causes like religions with a lot of love and, and sometimes we, the calluses, uh, we, we cover up things under the hood of, of nonprofits. There's messy things just like the un, uh, under hood of an, of a, of a, of a, a religion, but we all, in all of our groups, we overlook that to the common good. Yeah. So, so, so there's sometimes there's defensive things or there's, I don't know why I'm going down this hole. This is not, no, not really where I want to go, but there's, it's, Every nonprofit's different, and sometimes the language gets held onto too tight. Let me give you an example that I'm, it took me a while to get here. I hope you can edit that part out because I, I was stumbling until I got team. there. But yeah. I, the longest board service I've been on is Habitat for Humanity. Okay. I, I, you know, it's like I didn't feel worthy to be on that board. I just didn't know I could, you know? And, and, and it, we started donating to roofs, and we started getting involved, and um, it was – one of the things that, but they, they wanted me on the board and I joined the board and I, but I told them this thing and I told them that, um, because I would, I didn't know where I was in my spirituality at the time because I was, I, I didn't consider myself Mormon anymore. And this is like almost 10 years ago. And so I, how do I, how do I, how did, they, how did she, I, I said, I, they, they want you to pray. And, and to me at the time where I was getting, it's like, well, I can't really pray because if I pray, I leave out the Muslims and I leave out. And so there was, there was a conflict there that still is there. You have but your method. I thought, I thought they weren't going to let me join the board hmm. because I wouldn't speak the language. But we live in a progressive Orange County area. Absolutely. And I think they said, no, that's why we need you on the board. Yeah. And so I discourage 
um, holding hands and praying, even though that's what we always do, I, I, I really encourage the idea of finding a way that includes everybody. Could we slightly shift this thing to maybe something where we don't call out God or something, or maybe can, and I, and I, I do say that, but I never say it within a, I respect the language of right. the tribe. I respect the language. But if I want to be heard by everybody in Orange County, I can't speak for Atlanta. But if I want to be heard by everybody in Orange County, I know that if we make it more universal, because I don't want to be the person who's getting the home that's from another country that we don't even know their immigration past, where they were persecuted <laughs> by those of this other name. Sure. And it's yeah. it's just respect. It's a respect issue there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got it's less than treading again. lightly and more just I don't even respect. remember what your question was. I don't either. Yeah, that's all right. Quite honestly, I don't either. Yeah, we'll but no, in, yeah, in but nonprofits, the language yeah. is different. And, yeah. and in the nonprofits, we all... They're so, it's so valuable for me to have my voice in Habitat if it's slightly differing because we're living in a super adaptive world. It's so valuable that boards have younger people on there with super adaptive brains because if you don't have younger brains on there, you're not going to be around. How many of the Fortune 500 companies are alive from 10 years ago? Do you think that rate's going to somehow stabilize? No, it's going to escalate. Constantly changes, Yeah. yeah. So people watching or listening today may be considering getting involved in their community in one way or another. Could be Habitat, Ronald McDonald House, could be whatever their foundation is in their neighborhood. What advice or suggestion would you give somebody who's kind of on that fence right now looking at how do I choose in or choose out of where I'm serving? Well, first of all, I I would say get involved and get involved with what is near and dear to your heart. But don't join just for cause or you're going to burn out in the wrong organization. <laughs> I say with all due respect, make sure there's a good CEO and a solid staff and that they and, and the board members on the one that you join, you must do this. Make sure they have what you want. I'm not talking about money, although you're usually successful. They have the traits you want. Otherwise, you might get into the cause of somebody who hasn't quite worked out their religion yet. hasn't quite got there. Sure. Um, but I, I, I want to go deeper because I'm guaranteeing you this. The broader audience of this does not yet consider themselves, worthy is not the right word, I'm, that's borrowed from our past, but they <laughs> consider them, themselves a candidate okay. based on just this, maybe that little bit of an imposter syndrome, these biases placed on us. But right now, more than ever, you're the people we, think we, we need. We think we need to be a millionaire to give or yeah, it's just I time mean, that we can give. I, I, I see myself so much better and higher than I used to see myself. And, and so I couldn't say yes to a board until someone else convinced me I would be there. But I, I mean, I'm a roofing professional and I used to hold my hands in my pocket because I couldn't compare to those that graduated college. I didn't want you to see the caulking in my mm-hmm. nails or the bruised thumbnail. And, and, and now I'm so when, when somebody suggested I'd be on the board, I just, I just, I cowered. I cowered. And I think that that's what I want to tell you people out there is, my yeah. God, we need you on the board. Right now is the time. You value you can Be yourself. If, if, it, if it lines up with what's near and dear to your heart, that story that you start to find that matters to you, then and you did that criteria check that we could, you could rewind if you missed it, then yeah. that then then jump in and you and join a committee and by the way be honest about what you can or can't do because you asked me before we started taping why I'm on so many boards how I can do that because I'm honest about what I will and won't do they're not hiring me to run and manage things because I don't claim to do that well right um, but I can draw I can help with the messaging and I can help draw attention and I can help I can help um, you know rally the troops when it's time to move the dial. 
And that's what I, cause that's what I get to do. But if you tell them what you want to do and what you want to do, they're, they're not going to turn your way. They're going to go, Oh my God, this guy told us exactly what he's going to do. Right. Even if it's less hours than what you think that it needs to be. And, and so you need to ne- negotiate with nonprofits cause we need your talent, especially those that don't know that they have it. And especially those that are looking for that. And especially those that are young. I mean, I'm, I'm finding too many groups that we need. We need, and the world we're moving into, it's going to be all about who you line up with. Right. I mean, we see so much inauthenticity out there today, but when I'm lined up with nonprofit with nonprofit boards like Habitat for Humanity, like I am, everyone knows everybody that believes that that everyone deserves a decent place to live. They get me, and everybody because right. of Ronald McDonald House, everybody that thinks it's unimaginable to ignore sick children, they trust me. And they trust our brand because that's who we align with. So align yourself up with that which is what truly aligns with you. That thing that when you're around it and when you're doing it, you feel the aliveness in you. That's what you do. So ask them in essence, and I'm going to ask you what breaks your heart. What breaks my heart? Because that's a question I would ask somebody that's thinking about where they want to serve. They know they want to serve, but they don't know where. And I've had that question asked of me, what breaks your heart? And oftentimes the answer to that, I takes you to where you should serve. It's anybody unacknowledged. Hmm. I'll tell you in one story that I can tell in 10 seconds, mm-hmm. Paul Leone of Illumination Foundation, who helps the chronically homeless, tells the story of the one-armed veteran that they saved near death under the underpass. And when he came to, told Paul that he could count on his one hand how many times he was acknowledged in 10 years that he lived there. Hmm. That's what I want. I want everyone to be acknowledged, and I want everyone to be able to see how awesome and how magic they are. And I believe, because if you knew where I, the way I used to judge myself, it's, and it wasn't my <laughs> parents do. and my religion, it was, it was just a combination of my scrupulosity brain. You know, I just, I was so hard on myself, I'm lucky to be here. And I, if I can remove that mask, that lie from people, and let them see what a magic creator that we all are, then that's what I would do. But then I sound like a crusader. I'm going to go back to, you know, I, I keep families safe and dry. But more importantly, I awaken people to how awesome they are. Okay, so we've talked about stakeholders. We've talked about protecting. I'm going to go right to the core now. Um, the most important stakeholders in your life, because I know you, is your family. What legacy do you want, for example, just Charlie and Gracie, your twins, to, to when they think about their dad as they get older, what do you want them to talk about when they talk about you? Well, you know, it's funny. You have kids. I'm 57 with five-year-old twins. And what a blessing that is. I can't tell you. It's something. I was the hardest decision I ever made when I met and fell in love with my wife. And there was no way I was going to have more kids. The only reason it was possible is because I was too scared to ever go through with the snip. I, I made the appointment. I never. And so. Uh, we are know, honest on From the Heart. I folks. love, I love, I love these kids. They just give me awakening every day. And, you know, and, and I love the fact that when you're older and you have kids, you live longer. I'm counting on that because I want to live a long time for these kids, all of my kids. I love my kids. And I guess what I really want them to say, you know, and I want them to just know that dad made it better wherever he went, wherever he went every day, dad made it better. And that's, you know, it's not hard to do if you just think it's possible. Hmm. And, and I'm not saying, uh, I'm saying that if I choose, if I stress today, even if I have a, a tough financial month or whatever, or whatever's going on, anything. It's, I realized today it's a choice. Yeah. I didn't know it was, but I can choose to, like I told you coming here today, I was a little bit stressed because I, I was starting to, because I thought, wow, if I get the 241 wrong, I'm going to be uh, you know, half an yeah. hour away. 
And then I just reminded myself, that's a choice that you have today. So I don't yeah. do that. That's not really what I wanted to go with that. But, but it is because it, you, you talked, you addressed a very key point, and that is life is a choice. How we respond to situations is our choice. And if you can relay that message to your children and to your, your people around you, so many of us react to our situations and we become victims to what's happening to us rather than just looking at it as, hey, I chose this situation and I choose my response to it. So thank you. I, I think you were spot on. On, I wasn't looking for an answer, but you gave you gave an answer that I think a lot of us are going to love. You got the the community corner uh, with the Anaheim Ducks. Talk about that a little bit, because I know that's kind of the the conglomeration, if you will, of all the different work that you're doing in the community, and it, and it really kind of comes forward with what you've done at the. Ducks. We just have we're lucky to have great partners. Thank you, Lindsay, my awesome assistant, who put the hat in this because this is awesome. We have a hundred. Um, different nonprofits in Orange County who have taken advantage of the 20,000 seats we give away every season. That's four whole sections at every home game. Wow. And then there's this awesome spotlight on you in between the first and second period of the Antis Ripping Community Corner. And bravo and cheers to the Samuelis and the Ducks organization and everyone there that are so intent on putting people in the story and that they allowed us to, to build this. And it was something Dan McQuaid helped mm -hmm. us uh, yeah, yeah. from 1OC. But this is awesome, and I encourage everybody to take advantage of this and come to the Ducks games on us and get involved, and we'll be able to spotlight you and draw more attention in, to your to your nonprofit, but also have an amazing time. I can't tell you how many veterans and how many children that are, that are sometimes suffering through, um, that are that are overcoming different things and they're able to go to their first hockey game and we get all these letters in the mail. And so that's awesome. I didn't mean to ramble this long and this no, is your Movember hat. Oh, and nice. You know, I, I, like I told you, I, I think I look like Burt Reynolds. <laughs> I, if I just chew gum, yeah, smoking the bandit. I feel like if I was dark hair, but go. I have my Movember, my wife, Dawn and Corey, she made, Corey made me do this. She said, do it for Mike. And Mike's a friend who lost his life from prostate cancer last year. And so I, I'm wearing my mo. I shaved off at the beginning. I don't have my beautiful beard I normally yeah. have. And I didn't uh, know what your cheeks I, looked like yeah, until this, this morning. this is for you. Awesome. I Wear appreciate proud. that. And start growing your mo. Well, like I said before, I, I, I could be in a mustache growing contest for 30 years and no one would know. Oh, Just can't okay. can't do it. Right, I'll do sorry. my best though. Right. I got oh, my haircut from November. You can paint on one of those little ones. Do like some of my... Do the Charlie Chaplin kind of. There you go. I know the story, uh, and I just feel impressed, even though you didn't go there. I, I think that I'd, I'd like for those watching and listening to know the story as to how you chose to get involved with the Ronald McDonald House, with your twins. Um, I think it's an amazing story that has blessed my life as I've heard it, and I've heard it repeated not only by you, and that's how I know it's such a powerful story, is when other people tell your story, and I still feel the same emotion. Thank you for asking. I, it's funny. I I would have I would have felt bad if I hadn't brought that up on the way. I thought home. we might lead you, with that, but I'm, you I'm are, glad but we went there. Thank you, by the way, for being such a friend to Ronald McDonald House, Orange County. Wow. You know, we love what you do. You have been so helpful, and you have opened the door. So, and you're doing it right now. So, yeah, I that beautiful decision I made to get married, the hardest but best decision in my life. Let's go back to that. I fell in love, and we decided we're going to have kids. And I'm going to tell more because you want this. I don't tell this normally, but. Okay. Getting pregnant was no easy feat, and um, you want full you want full honesty. Go. I'm going in at 50 years old. You know, I'm a virile man. I go in and I and um, and um, I find out that I don't have any living sperm. And it just happens, you know, when you get older. It's a rough one, but they they, they become immobile. Look it up. It just happens to all <laughs> men. And so uh, so I'm bummed on this. You know, I'm feeling like less a man, and I go to see Doctor Spitz, 
our my doctor, and he's he's kind of a. I didn't know he was a TV doctor, but now I find out he is. You nice. Know? He wrote the penis book. Came out last year. <laughs> I strongly recommend it. And so Doctor Spitz starts giving me clomine. So for many places a year. I could go, and I, just, I know I just won't. I, I knew I knew I could say, <laughs> but it's true. Look yeah. him up. So Doctor Spitz gives me clomine, and clomine is a female producing hormone drug that I take because that's how my body is going to produce more testosterone. Yeah, our, our crew just and so I know, I know, We're I know, We're but still, this is true. And yeah. so I'm like paranoid. I'm like, Dr. Spitz, am I going to get man boobs? And, and, you know, I'm really paranoid in this. No, not because we're not going to do it that long. What do you mean? No, because we're not going to do that long. So yeah. he didn't really say that. So it's so, a yes if we go too so far. So what happened yeah. is I was able to produce sperm. My wife, we went and saw Dr. Fredericks, an amazing fertility doctor. And what fertility doctors do is just freaky magic stuff. Hmm. And so my wife produced eggs. We were able to fertilize them. We were able to pre-screen because I'm older. There's a greater chance for autism and things. And sure. we had this amazing pregnancy. All of a sudden, my wife's got twins in her. We've already named them Charlie and Gracie, and she's super healthy. We're having this amazing pregnancy. And it's just super. I mean, she's really big, and it freaks <laughs> me out. But she's so happy. And we do this baby moon in the desert. And we come back. And the day after we come back from the baby moon, she's like six weeks premature. Uh, that she's not feeling well. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, you have preeclampsia. Come to the hospital. I Google it. It doesn't it's not look a good. good. Thing. So we go in. There's four doctors in a room, one for Charlie, one for Gracie, one for my wife, and one for me. And, oh. and, I, cause that, and I realized why when the, you start to watch a cesarean birth with twins. But, this, hmm. but I remember when they were born, all of a sudden the happy pregnancy has gone because what I see then is Charlie coming out. He looks like Benjamin Button. He looks like an old hmm. man. I mean, he did. I mean, wow. it was, I mean, it wasn't funny then, but it is kind of funny yeah, now. Back now. And 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 Char and Gracie comes out, and she's not breathing, and there's there's tubes going and everything, and I'm just sitting down in shock. And suddenly, my wife recovers. We're focused on her. We go up and look at the kids inside the NICU in the Chalk NICU in Mission Hospital, and they're hooked up to these machines and think tubes going in places I didn't know they could put tubes. Mm -hmm. And there's bells and whistles going off, and every time one goes off, it feels like you're going to lose your child. Yeah. And this is what we were born into. And suddenly we were we were told by the chalk nurses who were so helpful. And they said, you know, Charles, if you come here twice a day and pull off your shirt and lay your child skin on skin for two hours, two different times a day, they we find that they heal. They wow. have a greater chance to fully heal. And so, you know, my wife and I did, we drove that half an hour drive back and forth every day. And I remember how the mood changed. We weren't so... I was scared because of the bells and whistles. And every day we go in, and that's where I be, had my first brush with Ronald McDonald House that wasn't inside a change box in McDonald's. Yeah. And I walked by, and they had beds, and they had coffee, and they had snacks, and they had computers, and they had a rest area. And they said, hey, come. And, and you know what I did? I just I ignored them hmm. because I couldn't accept yet that I was part of that That you needed club. that. Yeah. yeah. So I ignored them every day, kind of that pride thing I yep. grew up with too. And, and one day I go in, and I'm late, and I have – chronic heartburn that's really bad. And I get that bad some days. And I'm not going to be able to do this thing, but I'm late. I'm running in and I look down and there's no attendant at the Ronald McDonald station. And I look down, I see a little green granola bar, the Nature Valley granola bar. And I, and I, I like stole it. I, I felt like I was stealing it because I didn't plan on <laughs> you being You know now it was there for you to begin with yeah, at but the I time. Yeah, I just couldn't accept it. So I took it, it justified it's like cost him 20 cents at Costco. Yeah. And I ate mm -hmm. it. And then for two hours, I held Charlie that day. I'll never forget it because I remember it just the pain went away. And I was so happy. Now, when I look back, that metaphor is so profound. Wow. Ronald McDonald House is there to keep families close to their kids so the family can heal. Hmm. And, and I lived it. 
And and eventually, when Susan Kinney, who we both know is now yeah. with Casa, when she came by for Ronald McDonald House, it was just so easy to say yes to, oh, do you guys have a roof? That's right. And, you know, it's like, oh, we go fix their roof. And all of a sudden, that opened into, because Susan Kenny and she hooks me up with Rob Parker, who was the international spokesperson for McDonald's and Ronald McDonald House. And then we were able to plug in, because I'm on the National Roofing Board. Now the National Roofing Board is taking care of all of the Ronald McDonald House's roofs across the country, over 200 roofing companies. Wow. And so so the, it's an awesome story. And yeah, I'm on the board here, yeah. and we're doubling the size of the house now. And we've raised eight of the 12 million. Um, how soon does this air? January. So we have some amazing, I just got, we just got a call from Tennis Noiler Pacific Life and they're contributing $150,000. Wow. Um, I'm sure it can be okay then or I'll yeah, probably, by then I'll take it a task. Be, if not, we'll uh, you know, sure. Ventura Foods has come aboard for $300,000 yeah. and it's an amazing story. And so we just have Chalk, Chalk the Hospital, not Chalk the Foundation, Chalk the Hospital who tell our story. They donated $250,000 and what they, and, and they're, and they're working with us. Like, how can we tell the story that lifts more people that brings, that builds the bridge that, you know what I love about Chalk? Tom Capizzi, I've known him for a long time. Yeah. He's their HR director. He's an HR director that builds the bridge all the way to all his people and builds the bridge and believes outside of this, it's our job to build the bridge all the way to everyone, no matter what. And I love people that think like that. Yeah. So, cause we truly are changing the world and that's what I love to do. I love to take where I have the biggest area of impact, which is Ronald McDonald House because of the different models we're involved in and to to leverage it for the greater good of more families, more families with sick kids being treated, more roofing companies with happier employees right. that suddenly have purpose in their work and more, you know, more, more, more happy houses that don't have to worry about calling a roofer. There's just a lot of people that benefit when you come together. And we have this in the roofing industry. I don't want to get off course, but we are changing everything in the way roofers see themselves. It's not just what I say. It's what Reed Ribble says. It's yeah. what different great leaders, Steve Little from K-Post Roofing in Dallas, Texas, across the country, what they're saying. Ken Kelly in Florida. I don't want to start dropping names. I'll leave people out. Right. But we are lifting the image of roofing because we know why we exist. We protect. We protect everything that matters to you. And so there's a, it's excitement when you get to purpose and intention, Sure. even though those are weird words, if you hear them for the first time, but you just try to talk in a new way and try to get curious, hang around five-year-old twins is a really good source <laughs> for being a good leader today. Cause Absolutely. you have to talk like a kid to be effective. And that's why this is successful. And that's why I'm are. successful. I no longer talk in this military. Well, if you want to do it right, you do it this way. You know, <laughs> F that guy. He's out to launch now. Yeah. So. Well, the question I ask at the end of this is kind of seems almost um, redundant to ask because I always ask my guests what's in your heart, but I think you just for the last 48 minutes shared everything that's in your heart. But if there's just one last why, anything, anything, just a, anything you want to talk about, share a feeling that you have, just, just literally what's coming up for you as we wrap up. Huh. I don't know, Ed, I could go down any wormhole. I, I mean, I'm could. really grateful that to be on uh, this show with you. I'm really grateful that we've known each other for a few years. We've become good friends and you know, it's, it's like everybody starts a podcast today, <laughs> man, you blow it out of the house. Like I knew you would, and you have an amazing ability to lift people and to touch people. And 
it's it blows everybody's mind that meets you, all of the people you know and touch and lift and help mingle. And that's a real gift. I think people like you have to show how they do it because the old rules don't account for that. And I think that the, the new rules account for everyone and everything. And it may you may not see it. There's a, there's a little bit of a, a language barrier in the way, but the, the new rules are going to prevail and it's going to be about intention. If you're in business just to make money in the next 10 years, you're not going to be around. Right. You have to, and if you're a person that wants to be happy in the next 10 years, then, then it's not just about being transactional. It's about asking yourself why. So, yeah. you know, I ask myself why every day and some days I'm like, what does that even mean? But I continue to play with words to rewrite how I think, how I shape things. And I, and so I can hear how other people reshape things. I mean, that sure. we're living a super constant changing world and I don't think things happen the way we thought they happen and I won't go down that wormhole. Right. But the way I stay connected, Ed, this is the most important thing to me is I awaken myself every morning from this, whatever I wake up with, <laughs> the old tapes. And I do yeah. that like I did this morning by taking a long bike ride, watching a hawk on a tree, watching a beautiful sunrise and sitting next to a tree and feeling the aliveness in the space that I'm in. And that's more like a meditation. Mm -hmm. It's like a prayer to some people. Absolutely. But I start a day being awakened to the magic that is in this day. And I almost convince myself every day as I tried to with my twins this morning, <laughs> oh my gosh, this may be the best day there's ever been. And I come <laughs> I close to that. Morning. I appreciated that. Well, I do. And I, I felt I it from the time I got that, that note. I, felt I feel close to that today. This yeah. may be the best day. If I, imagine if you could come close to that every day. Yeah. I'm telling you it's possible in how you stage how you open your day. I spend the first two hours of my day, if I possibly can, on myself. And back yeah. to that, I don't, in fact, I don't punish myself. In fact, I reward myself every day with this quiet time. Awesome. And that allows me to come in here and be authentic in the moment. And I'll, if I watch this later, I hope I, I hope I say that I was authentic in the moment. I believe I will. Yeah. But I, but I, that's the most important thing. If I come in scripted with something to say, I'm so glad you didn't ask me to do that because yeah. then I'm not able to get to anything that matters. It's just that old bullshit, which right. I'm capable of spewing out. We all are. But let's, let's get to what's real, what matters and what. Thank you. What's from the heart? Well, that's exactly, you, you summed it up. I, I didn't that's a perfect that. plug. No, I, you did it for me. And that, yeah, heart's the last name, but it, it really is. This doesn't that's, work. And that's a beautiful man. Look at him. That's well, a it's amazing man. what Photoshop can do. Yeah. So no, and the whole idea for this, like you said, a lot of people talk about doing a podcast and I've talked about it for a long time and then the stars aligned and it was perfect. And ultimately the goal is like I've said, <clears throat> like you said, to get to the heart of the person that we're talking to, because there's it's we're all, we live up here all day long, but we really function from here. We we both write in the five minute journal, and this morning, right. um, I I wrote in my what would be nice if it happened today. So I have big expectations that that I will lift everyone I touch, and that's everyone who's listening, in a wake, not yeah. not a wave, a wake, like boom, <laughs> yeah, and in ripples that last forever. So that sounds crazy. But if you don't put it out there, it's not never going to happen. So my expectations from this broadcast is yeah. other people are going to go, well, damn, I can think about it a little bit differently and that it'll ripple out. And I think that's what you're doing here. That's the goal. And that's exciting. That's exactly the goal. Thank you, Charles. This has been one of my favorite hours in a long, long time. So I really appreciate Same it here, and I appreciate you. Get a high five. Absolutely. Love you.